Good morning. It's good to see you guys. Um, you know, I was thinking this week, uh, fashion trends uh, tend to change so quickly, don't they? And I was thinking about some of the past decades and the uh, 90s. Do you remember the 90s? There was a time period where uh, flannel was kind of the thing. And so, in fact, I uh, went around, and you're a little ahead of me, but uh, I dug up a picture. This is Brad Zacharitz uh, sporting some uh, flannel back in the 90s. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you go back to the 80s, and do you remember those uh, leg warmers that uh, people used to wear? So I, I dug around, and I found a picture of Kim Feichert wearing her, uh, very flexible. Yeah. And uh, then you go back a little further than that, late 60s, early 70s, with the whole uh, tie-dye thing. And uh, this picture probably get me in trouble later, but I went, dug around and found a picture of Peg Swearingen. Actually, she would never dress like that. And then I was thinking, you remember the time period when people wore leisure suits? Yeah? I dug around and found a picture. Here's our own Dan Jeffrey sporting a leisure suit. <laughs> well, you know, fashion does uh, change a lot. And uh, I don't know if you're like me, but I tend to have a lot of trouble in keeping up with all the fashions. Um, I guess having a couple of teenage boys in the house has helped me stay a little more uh, current with things, but as you can see a lot of weeks, I would say I'm probably fashion challenged. And maybe that describes you too, but here's good news for us that are fashion challenged. God's fashion doesn't change. And uh, today I want you to see in Colossians chapter 3 that God has some very important fashion tips for our lives. We began last week this series called Iceberg, and we're looking beneath the surface in our lives. And remember last week we said an iceberg, that seven-eighths of an iceberg is beneath the surface of the water. And so it is in our lives. So much of what determines the direction of our lives happens beneath the surface. Anybody a fan of TLC's What Not to Wear? It's a show where they... You know, they go around and diagnose people's clothes. I'm, I'm surprised by a few of you. Um, they go around and diagnose this, uh, their clothing. I've never actually seen the show, but uh, I hear this what they do. And uh, they do the whole fashion thing, and then they tell people what not to wear. Well, last week, as we read Colossians 3, we found a whole list of things that Paul says, these are things you're not supposed to wear. These are things you need to remove from your life. You need to get rid of. Well, today I want to go on to the next part of Colossians chapter 3, and Paul tells us some things that we ought to replace that list of items with. Here's what it says, Colossians chapter 3, uh, verse 12. Now, I hope you brought your Bible, and if you did, please take it out right now. And if you were here last week, maybe you were uh, wise and kind of marked that so you can open it right up. Um, if not, find your way to uh, Colossians chapter 3. Before I read that, last week I kind of challenged you during this series to try to read uh, Chapter 3 of Colossians, at least once a week throughout the series. How many of you remember to do that and you read it at least once this week? That's excellent. Please uh, continue to do so. And if you forgot this week, that's okay. Uh, join us this week and uh, take it at least one time to sit down and read Chapter 3 of Colossians. And if you missed last week's message and you want to kind of catch up with us in the series before you get real far behind, um, you can go to our website at crosspointcape.com and uh, listen there to uh, last week's message. Now, let's read Chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if, you have, if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them together in unity. The message translation says it this way. 
dress in the wardrobe that God has picked out for you. God has picked out seven things that He says we ought to wear. And let me just say, these seven things that we're going to talk about today, these are things that begin beneath the surface in our lives. These are heart issues. They start in our hearts before anyone will ever see these in our actions. Well, verse 12 begins with the word, a very important word, the word, therefore, which gives us the idea that Paul is saying, because of what I have already said. What has he already said? Remember, we started last week with the idea that he says, I want you to set your hearts and your minds on things above. He said, you, you've been given this new life in Jesus Christ. You, you buried that old life. And in response to the new life that you've been given, not so that you can earn God's love or earn salvation, but in response to the salvation that you have already received, I want you to set your hearts and your minds on things above. Then he says a couple more things. He calls us God's chosen people. Now, that's kind of a reference back to the Old Testament, but it's also used several times throughout the New Testament to speak of people who are Christ followers. Then He calls us holy, which we usually think in terms of, when we see the word holy, we think of some form of perfection. But the word that's actually used here is more the idea of set aside for a specific purpose. And then he calls us dearly loved. Paul is writing and he says to people, he says, to those who God has a higher purpose for their life, to those that God highly values. And friends, that's us he's talking about. God highly values you. And God has an important purpose for your life. And God says, because I have this high purpose, this important purpose for your life, I have a special wardrobe that I want you to wear. And it is a wardrobe that is fitting for someone that I love as much as I love you. And then he begins to lay out this new fashion wardrobe that he wants us to wear. Now, usually when they roll out a line of a new line of wardrobe or new fashion, they uh, have a fashion show, don't they? So I thought that would be appropriate this morning. We're going to roll out this new fashion uh, wardrobe of God. So we need some fashion show music. And of course, then you need some models, right? And so I went to the best source of models that I could possibly think of who could model this for us. Come on out, guys. What are you doing? It's about how you act sometimes. Um, <laughs> my son. So they're modeling. We'll go ahead and spread out a little bit more here, guys. We didn't rehearse this. Uh, go ahead and spin around like they do on a fashion show, you know, all the way around. Very good. Yeah. Good, aren't they awesome? They're modeling uh, compassion and kindness and humility and patience and gentleness and faithfulness and love. They look great, don't they? Most of them. Thanks, guys. You can take off. The best laid ideas can sometimes go astray. Most of them were cute, weren't they? When we think about these seven things, that is exactly what we often think about them. Oh, aren't they cute? And boy, somebody looks good when they do them. And you know what? When I do them once in a while, I feel good. But Paul says we are to clothe ourselves in these, that they are part, to be part of our lives every day in every interaction. They are not, God doesn't just see them as cute. God sees them as a necessity. So I want to take the time this morning to go through each 
of these seven items, these clothes that Paul says to put on and identify what they mean to us. Paul says, first, we've got to clothe ourselves with compassion. Now, the word compassion here is this idea of a gut-wrenching, heart-level awareness of the needs of other people and then a desire to move to meet those needs. It is all about having an awareness, noticing people who are in need, people who are struggling, people who are hurting, and then moving to meet those needs. I think probably the best example that I know of this is a story that Jesus told about the Good Samaritan. But one of the best-known stories probably in the Bible. It's simply the story of a Jewish man who was making his way down a dangerous road when some robbers jump out, rob him, beat him up, and leave him for dead. A couple of religious leaders come by one at a time. The first one passes by and crosses on the other side of the road. And then another follows and does the same thing. They don't stop to help this guy. And then this Samaritan man, who would have been in a sense an ethnic enemy of this Jewish man, notices him. He stops, he bandages his wounds, he takes him to an inn, pays for a night's stay there so that he is cared for. And you know what? This Samaritan, this Samaritan could have thought when he saw this injured man, "Ah, I don't want to get involved. Or he could have thought, you know, he should have been more careful. Or he could have thought, "Ah, I don't have time for this. I've got other places to be. He could have thought, you know, it could still be dangerous out here. He could have said to himself, he's a Jew. I'm not helping him. But this Samaritan saw, was aware of, noticed the needs of this man. And he stopped and did what he could do to help. That's what compassion looks like. It is seeing, it is noticing, it is being made aware of the needs of people who are around us and then stopping to do what we can do to help. So much of our struggle with compassion is the speed at which we're going through life. It doesn't allow us often to stop and notice and recognize the needs of people who are hurting. We've got to slow down if we're going to see these needs. I am so thrilled, though, that there are a lot of people around here at Crosspoint who I see practicing compassion, who have clothed themselves in compassion. I was thinking this week of a lot of different examples of that. In fact, I asked the staff to help me think of a whole bunch of these, and they sent me a long list of things they could think of. I think of a group of you who, when we learned that there was a young family in our church who had a young daughter who needed some corrective eye care, but required some contacts and glasses that they couldn't afford, had compassion and moved financially to make sure she got the care that she needed. I thought of a group of guys who gave up a Saturday morning because they compassionately saw the needs of a single mom in our church who had a sick young boy and she needed to move and so they gave up their time to help move her. I thought about our whole team of people who show up once a month at our office complex to participate in angel food to help make food available to people in our community who are struggling, make food available to them that's cost-effective for them. And on and on the stories could go of people around here who have clothed themselves in compassion, who are aware of, who have noticed, who see the needs of people and have moved to meet those needs in people's lives. Paul says next, clothe yourselves with kindness. Liberty Mutual has uh, put together a whole series of uh, commercials 
And in these um, commercials, it's really just one act after another of people who are demonstrating acts of kindness. It's that whole idea of sort of paying kindness forward to others. And you know what stands out to us about that commercial? Because it's made in a world where anger and rudeness rule. And in our culture where anger and rudeness rule, people seem to have lost the idea of simple kindness and being courteous. And so the idea of someone being kind and courteous stands out to us. But listen, you know what Paul said to us? Paul said you are to clothe yourselves in kindness. That even in a world of rudeness and anger, kindness is supposed to be a normal part of your life. I uh, saw just how effective a little dose of kindness can be this week. I was at Lowe's uh, late Friday night buying a bunch of painting supplies for our house and as I was waiting to check out, the cashier was taking care of the guy in front of me. And he wasn't rude to her, but their interaction, their language, I mean, their communication was kind of difficult. And um, he just wasn't real kind to her. And so, you know, as I, he finally left the store and I moved on up. And as she was ringing my stuff through, I just said, man, how's your day been going? And it was late, and I said, I bet you're really anxious to get out of here. And she said, oh, it's been a horrible day. When I came in, they immediately put me on the customer service phone. I said, I bet that was really fun with all the people calling in about the appliances. And she said, oh, yeah, they were people who were calling like crazy. And I said, you know, people call like that. They always expect you to know everything, don't they? And she said, yeah. And she went on to tell me. You know what's the interesting thing about that? Just me, through a little simple act of kindness of being interested in her day, her, her demeanor, changed drastically in just a couple of seconds from when that guy left to as we in, engaged in our conversation. By the time I left, she was smiling and said goodbye and, you know, see you later. Just being interested. Just taking a moment to show a little bit of kindness. As I was thinking about kindness this week, I, I thought of a guy around here who, since I think probably our very first year, he's been one of the guys that you have met first when you come here, many of you. He stands right out here every Sunday morning and fills out name tags for people. And he does that out of kindness. And you know what strikes me about David Donahue doing that? Most of you don't realize how much he labors mentally to do the best he can to remember your name so that when you come back the second or third time, he calls you by name. And he works so hard to try to remember all of those names. And I think that for David is an act of kindness who's clothed himself in kindness for people who come to Crossway. Next, Paul says that we are to clothe ourselves in humility. You know what? Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. You know, if we're honest, we think about ourselves first most of the time, don't we? I mean, we wouldn't admit it, but our actions often indicate that we think I'm most important. I care about me more than I do others. That's not humility. Humility is about thinking of the other person first. I had to take one of the boys to the doctor uh, Friday. And uh, I had to just be honest with you. You know, when we got to the doctor's office, one of my first thoughts was, oh, I hope there aren't a bunch of sick kids in the waiting room because I don't want to get sick. And then as we went in and we signed in, you know, and the lady pushes the window open, I thought, man, I hope these ladies have their act together today and, you know, that we don't have to fill out a bunch of paperwork and go through a bunch of hoops to be seen. And then we sat down and I thought, you know, I sure hope we get to go back and see the doctor first before a lot of these other people. 
And then when we got back to the room and had to wait there for a while, I thought, I don't know what that doctor's doing, but I hope he hurries up and gets in here. Doesn't he know I don't have time to sit around and wait on him? i got stuff to do. Why can't he manage his office more efficiently? Then there was some kid down the hallway that was screaming her little head off, and I kept thinking, why don't those parents do something to shut that kid up? That's what was going through my mind. That's thinking of yourself. You know what thinking of yourself less would have looked like? When we went into the doctor's office, I would have worried about all those kids that were sick, not because they were going to make me sick, but because it stinks to be sick. And I would have wondered what kind of day those ladies were having behind the counter and just have been gracious to them. And I would have hoped that a lot of those parents with little kids would have gotten to go before us because it's difficult to keep a little child entertained while you wait to see the doctor. And when we got back to the room and it took a little while, I would have thought, well, I'm so glad the doctor cares about his patients that he takes time with each of them and invests in them. And when the little girl was screaming down the hall, I would have thought, ah, I feel badly for those parents. I'm sure they don't want their daughter to be screaming like that. That's thinking of yourself less. That's humility. We were had a discussion in staff this week one day and we were talking about people who are moving towards leadership at times in their life or think they're moving towards leadership. And uh, Leisure Suit Dan had one of his gems of wisdom. He said this, and he often has gems of wisdom. He said, when they talk about Jesus more than themselves, that's when they're ready to lead. That is so true. You see, humility is putting Jesus and others in front of myself. And Paul says, clothe yourself in that kind of humility. Next, Paul says, we ought to clothe ourselves in gentleness. The word gentleness here is the idea of a soothing wind or healing medicine. It's the opposite of road rage. It's the opposite of the picture of a man ranting and raving at the customer service counter. It's responding to people in a way that we would be a soothing wind or healing medicine. If I had an expensive vase, let's say it was worth $1,000, and I took that vase and I handed it to you, I would hope that you would handle that vase gently and with great care. Do you realize that God places into our lives people every day, people that He values enough that He paid the the price of His own Son to die for them. They're valuable to Him. And God places those people in our lives with the hope that we would be gentle, that we would handle them with care, that we would be clothed in gentleness. Paul says, clothe yourselves with patience. And then he goes on to talk about learning to bear with each other, which could be translated, have a long temper with people. Make allowance for people's faults. Cut people some slack is what it's saying. You know what? We're not often very patient, are we? We often don't have a long temper. We don't allow for people's faults. We we don't cut them any slack. Paul says, you're to clothe yourselves with this kind of patience. And you know what? The, The verb tense that's used here is a continuous action. In other words, it's not a one time act. Patience is a continuous process with people. And it's true, isn't it? I may show patience today. More patience will be needed tomorrow. And the next day, even more patience will be required. 
Then Paul says, I want you to clothe yourselves with forgiveness. This is a tough one for us. Listen again to what he says the last part of verse 13. He says, forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. This principle comes up again and again in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. And it's a lesson we've talked about around here a few times lately. God has forgiven us. And that's great news. But with that forgiveness came an obligation. An obligation into our lives, every one of our lives, that we would be also willing to forgive others. This is not optional clothing. It is required. And it never goes out of style. This practice of learning to forgive others when they have hurt us. Last piece of clothing. Paul says, I clothe yourselves with love. And this final piece of clothing, he says, is the one that holds everything else together. It's what binds them all together. What kind of love is it? It's the kind of love that we usually, or the kind of love we usually think of is a two-way kind of love, right? I'll love you if you love me. I see some good in you, and so I'll love you, and you see some good in me, and so you'll love me. It's two-way street. But guess what? The love that's described here is not a two-way love. The word for love that is used here is a one-way love. I love you even if you don't love me. And you love me even if you don't see any good in my life. It's a strange kind of love. But it's the kind of love that God has for us. And He says that we are to love others even when they seem unlovable to us. Paul says dress in the wardrobe that God chooses or picks for us. Do you realize that in a sense every morning we get up and we open our spiritual closet and we choose a wardrobe for the day? If we're wise, we choose God's wardrobe. We choose to clothe ourselves in these seven things that Paul lists here. And once we've chosen to clothe ourselves ourselves in them, we'd be wise throughout the day to glance down at what we're wearing or to look in the mirror and be reminded that I have clothed myself in compassion and gentleness and kindness and humility. Why? Because I have chosen to set my heart and my mind on the things that are above. You know what? Here's the reality. These seven things, they are seven things that begin in our hearts. And then once they are in our hearts, our actions will follow very seldom, I think. Do you have these actions without having these characteristics in your heart? And so this is a beneath-the-surface issue. It begins with us determining in our hearts that we are going to be this kind of person. We're going to live this kind of life. And once it happens in our heart, then we'll begin to live it out in our lives and our actions every day. You know, when you think about it, these first two weeks of these series, we've talked about some pretty challenging things, haven't we? This week's certainly not as heavy as last week's, but these are difficult and challenging things in our lives. And so I want to take a moment for us to pray together. In fact, I want to give you a moment in the silence of this room just to, to pray. And here's what I'd encourage you to pray about. First, there may be some things that we talked about last week, some of those things that Paul said you need to get rid of them. And if you're honest today, you know you are still struggling to eliminate those things in your life. And would you, 
in these next couple of moments, just admit that to God and ask Him to help you remove those things from your life. And then would you ask Him to help you clothe yourselves in these seven items to change your heart so that you'll see people and you'll respond with the seven things that Paul lists here and that will just become a natural part of who you are. So would you just take these next few seconds right where you're seated and just bow your head and ask God to work in your heart. God, I want to ask You this morning to work in our hearts. God, we admit to You, a lot of people in this room, that some of those things that we talked about last week, the things that need to be removed from our lives, God, they're, they're still there. And God, would You help us to seriously work at eliminating those things from our lives? God, would You unstick us from those things? And help us, Father, to put them away. And God, then would You help us to put on a new wardrobe? God, would You clothe us in humility and patience, compassion and love and forgiveness? God, would You help these actions to get to, or these attitudes to begin to grow in our hearts? And Father, as they grow in our hearts, would You help us to demonstrate them to other people? God, would You remind us every day that we have set our hearts and our minds on the things above and we are living in Your wardrobe. Father, would You make us aware of people around us and their hurts? And would You move us to respond to meet those hurts? God, we love You. Thanks for Your love for us and Your patience with us. Keep working on our lives. Keep working on the part that's beneath the surface. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.